I was born to serve him. I was born to live for him. Born to worship him. Is that what you feel like you're here for? I didn't just happen upon this. You didn't just happen upon this. God thought of you before the world began. There ain't enough devils and all of hell and Johnson City. And there's a bunch in Johnson City to keep us out of the program of God. And somebody said, God bless you. Let's turn together tonight to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you would. We greet you tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank God for all that he means to us, all of his blessings and all the things that he's done for all of us. I imagine whenever the Jewish Christians begin to read what we are fixing to read together, it must have just been a struggle for many of them to try to comprehend what Paul was conveying. Listen carefully. For the body is not one member but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now God hath set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. Now you imagine you've been raised a Jew all your life. So you've known sacrifice, Levitical law, Leveret law, 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 law. Then you get saved and you hear this for your first time. And this preacher is putting these New Testament converts as the body of God and saying that they were the body of Christ. And that they were like members. You imagine them looking and think, you mean I'm like a finger or I'm like an ear or a nose on God? You see, the Old Testament could never produce such a relationship or such an understanding. Now, you think you have a hard time in understanding this and that and the other. You imagine coming out of Judaism where every bit of it was thou shalt, thou shalt not, thou shalt, thou shalt not. You shall not mix linen and woolen on your garments. Don't sow two different kinds of seed in the same row in your garden. Don't do this, don't do that. And then this man turns around and tells you, you are baptized into the body of Jesus himself. No matter what age you live in, it still takes one access to God, divine Revelation. Amen. I'm just glad for it tonight. You'd like to be remembered as we go to the Lord in prayer. How many has a need or request? 
Brother Pete Lawson texted me before I came out a little bit ago. Wanted us to pray for him tonight. He's not been feeling very well. Developed a fever later in the day. Also, I talked to Brother Jerry Phillips today. He certainly needs prayer in his body. And also, Brother Sam Clark, uh, Brother Bobby Hayton, had texted me about Brother Sam today. And also, Brother Jerry. So we certainly want to remember these, these requests. Heavenly Father, we count it a great honor that we are part of the body of Christ. We read it, we've heard about it, but I wonder sometimes, as the fullness of it really struck home to us, what that means, to be a part of your body. I pray, Lord, that you would make it real to us tonight. We know there's one way that we access into the very heart and mind of God, and that is by you pulling us to yourself and revealing yourself to us. As your prophet has so well explained it to us and said, Christ's way of making himself known to his church is by revelation. So we could memorize the word. We could even memorize the message. We can listen to tapes so well that we can tell you what Brother Branham is fixing to say and be as lost as we could be. Unless what we're hearing is divine revelation to us. So I pray, Father, that you would help us tonight. Once again, we've gathered here. They've put forth the effort. Many of them have worked today. No doubt they're tired. They had, was pressed for time. Some of them had to cut short their supper and this and that to be able to be here tonight. So we've not just come to see one another. We've not come for a protractive meeting. But we've come to hear from heaven. And Lord God, we're asking you that you would take the service and anoint us with your presence. Help me to move away out of the, out of the side of the people even. Lord God, out of my own reasoning, of my own thinking. Lord God, help me to be able to speak the words of God. Speak to us tonight, Father. Be mindful of these sick ones that we've re requested their names, Lord, and the hands that were uplifted signifying a need. Would you move for them, Father, we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. <clears throat> Heard some really good reports of the camp up in Ohio. Certainly appreciate what the Lord did up there. Amen. Amen. Certainly. I'm glad to be identified with a group of people around the world, not just in America, but around the world that have a living God that is among them. Amen. Read with me, if you would, in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 5. Notice again now, of, of all the New Testament writers, Paul was given by God a great understanding, a greater understanding than any of the rest of the apostles. As far as the new births, the blood, the mystery of worship, <clears throat> even of being baptized into the mystical body, Peter writes good things about it, James writes good things, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, not so much, because <clears throat> it was not given to them. But God endowed Paul with an understanding like none of the rest of the men in the apostolic age had. And we thank God for that, do we not? Because God wanted to give to him an understanding that would not just be beneficial for that age, but it would be beneficial for many, many hundreds of years. And here we are 2,000 years later, still feasting 
on what God gave to our brother. Now listen to how he deals with this in Romans 12. So we being many are one body in Christ. One body in Christ and every one members one of another. So what Paul does is places us individually. We're baptized by the Holy Ghost, but we are baptized collectively. Now, this is what the prophet says in our day, that we are baptized individually, but yet we are collectively the body of Christ. So each one has their own experience. Each one has their own walk with God, but yet we are not an island in that we don't need one another. So Paul says it this way in the first century writing, so we being many are one body in Christ and every one members of one another. I I think if that ever really struck our hearts right, that we would treat one another different than what we do. And I think it would make us to where we would want to be around one another more. You know, Brother Branham talks about his church there at the Branham Tabernacle whenever he was there more. And he said that preachers would come to him and ask him, Billy, how do you do that? Because then people would just love one another so much. And whenever they would part, like on Sunday night, they had church on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. And whenever they would leave church on Sunday night, they would stand out front and stand around the back door and they would cry. They would cry because they was going to be apart from one another from Sunday night to Wednesday night. They couldn't hardly stand the thoughts of being away from one another just on Monday and Tuesday, and they was going to be back together again on Wednesday night. And preachers would ask him, Billy, how do you do that? How do you get that love among them? And there was so something about them, and they was not just longing to be in God's presence, but they were longing to be in one another's presence. Well, Brother Ram tells us, of course, that it was the true gospel that he preached. Well, I find it amazing that no doubt most of our message churches feel like that we're much deeper in the message than what that church was in those days, but I wonder how many of our churches feel the same way about one another that they did then. Makes you wonder, are we deeper or are we just deeper in our minds or are we really deeper in our experience and deeper in our soul? But now remember, Paul wanted the early church to be able to understand that they were many and they were as diverse as we are today, but yet one body in Christ and everyone members one of another, not just one with Christ, but members one of another. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Now watch how he is identifying Christ with a human visage. Identifying Christ with a human image. Identifying Christ. Notice he does not say Jesus because Jesus is of course on the throne of God. Jesus is the personification of deity that sits on the throne of God. God never had a permanent flesh body 
until Jesus come on the earth. But notice what, what term Paul uses. He does not say that we are members of Jesus, but we are members of Christ. What is Christ? It is the anointed one, Messiah, the anointed one. So you and I are not baptized into the material flesh body of Jesus. You understand that? But we are baptized into the mystical body, which is called Christ. So that is the anointed one. It was not, it was not, listen carefully, Christos, Christ, that died for you. The anointing cannot die. It was the human visage or human image of God, which was Jesus. Now, Jesus was, of course, given the titles of Lord and Christ. This same Jesus hath God made both Lord and Christ. But read your Bible real close, and you'll notice he was not called that till after he rose from the dead. Now, Jesus, you never find him before his resurrection from the dead saying, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. Show it to me in your Bible. He never said that until after he raised from the dead. He could not say it. Well, hallelujah. He could not say, all power is given unto me. He could not say that until after he had raised from the dead. Well, somebody say amen. Then once he raised from the dead, then he could stand and say, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. That could not be said in the Jesus form, but it could be said in the Christos form. It cannot be said of you Even though you may be a seed before your new birth, it cannot be said of you in reality, I and my Father are one until after you become the anointed one in this day. Do you understand the bride is the Messiah of the hour? I don't know where can you say that because she is the anointed one. We are here in his stead. The prophet of God said every God called preacher is called to stand in the very stead and the place of Jesus Christ. Is that quite a challenge or not? But let me not limit it to a preacher because the preachers are not the only ones that are anointed by the Holy Ghost. But every person here tonight, men, women, boys, girls, whatever you are, if you have the Holy Ghost in your soul, you are called as as, uh, an anointed one to represent the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And the church said, Notice, Paul says, for as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is not Jesus, but so also is Christus. Now you understand, it's totally impossible for us to be baptized into the flesh body of Jesus. It's impossible. Always I was washed in the blood and he, he dripped one drop of blood from me. No, that's symbolism. There was only so much blood in the body of the Lord Jesus. 
there was not enough blood in the chemistry of his body to have one drop for every human being that would ever be saved. But the blood was taken as a symbol the token, oh, I know even some message people don't believe this, but it don't matter to me what message people believe or don't believe. The prophet of God taught us the token in this hour is not the blood. The token is the Holy Ghost because the token is the life. Now, this is why many people think they're under the blood, but they're not because they deny the very life that came out of the blood. I know there's message preachers that preach that the blood is token. They haven't went deep enough themselves. But the Spirit of God is the token. And when I see that, I will pass over you. So it is the Spirit of God that baptizes us into the mystical body of Christ. And that's why when you're in Christ Jesus and you pray and you may think, oh, I'm nothing, I'm nobody, every devil in hell is scared to death of you. Because what the devil sees and what the devil hears is not your voice, it's not your humanity, it's not your weakness, it's not my weakness, it's the mystical body of Christ that's standing there. Oh, hallelujah. Notice in verse 27. Now, Paul said, now ye are, listen to this, church. Now, ye are the body of Christ. Now, again, not Jesus. Ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. But notice in verse 28. It is God that sets us in our position in Christ and in the local assembly. But now God hath set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. So he doesn't even ask you, what do you want to be? Here's a multiple choice. Just pick out, check the box, whichever one you want to be. You want to be a singer, you want to be an organ player, you want to be a deacon, you want to be a trustee. God is the one who sets that in the body. So the mystery of our life really is us getting out of ourself and thinking, well, I want to be this in the church and I want to do that and I want to do something else. That that's really has no relevance to God. But God wants us to go to him who brought us on the earth and say, why did you bring me here? What do you want me here for, Lord? I do believe it was you that sent me here to the Word of Life Church. Then what am I there for? Am I there to be a preacher? Am I there to be a deacon? Am I there to be a special singer? Maybe my voice is not a special singing voice, but I'll be a good backup voice in the choir. Maybe I'll write the songs that the choir sing. I don't know what I'm supposed to do, Lord, but would you please let me know and it would save me and you a whole lot of trouble, and Brother Donnie too, and everybody else I'm going to church with. Now, would you notice the word here that Paul used when he said, but now God hath set. It's the exact same word that Jesus used in St. John 15, 16. Notice this now, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you. Now the word ordained in the Greek is the exact same word that Paul used for set. 
So set and ordain are the exact same words. So you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. So then it is God that sets us in the body. It is God that places us positionally. Just as God put our fingers where they belong, as God put our toes where they belong, our ears where they belong, and so on and so on, and they are so designed by the Creator Himself that they fit exactly. So is it in the spiritual body. Notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. But all these worketh that one and self-same spirit dividing to every man severally as he will. Now notice this is not as you and I will. So according to whose will? The Father again. So the Father may pick one man and he may give him this gift and that gift and another and the Lord may give one man, my goodness, a half a dozen gifts. And he may then come to his brother, say natural brother in the flesh, and he may come to him and he may give him one. And it may be two out of a big old family and two of them be called to really serve God. And then God may go to another family and give one man one gift and he may skip everybody else in that family and give somebody else another one. So God is the one who places the gifts. You believe that? Now, whether it's a gift to sing, whether it's a a musical ability, or whether it's a gift to preach, or whatever it is, God is the only one that can do it. Now, can people within themselves desire to do something that they're not called to do? Absolutely. Now, when you get into that, is where you move into great deception. Watch this in verse 28. And God has set in the church first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts, plural, of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues, which means different kinds of tongues. And every one of them is going to be placed in the body as God wills. Now, of course, this is where Pentecost, whenever they began to cabbage down, was the word that Brother Branham used, whenever they began to cabbage down, that tongues was the evidence. So then everybody, according to them, that got the Holy Ghost got tongues. Well, believe me, I was in Pentecost for several years, and I I prayed through many, many people that got tongues, but it didn't take me long to realize they didn't have the Holy Ghost. But yet when they made that the initial evidence, then Satan could impersonate. I've seen it around the altars many times. And them old mamas and daddies, some of you come from a Pentecostal background, and they'd come up and pray for them and beat them on the back and shake them and say Jesus real fast. You got it, brother. You got it. You got it. And what did they get? And then they got not a power to help them to overcome. Not a power that would help them overcome drinking and smoking and lying and so on. And many of them turned away from God never to come back because of the ill teaching that they were taught. Well, you got it. And they said, well, I suppose they got the Holy Ghost. At least they told me I did. And I went right back out into the world again. That's what Satan wants to do. And if we're not careful, then we will come and we made a new evidence. Now, our new evidence in the message is, well, we believe God sent a prophet. Well, if that's the evidence, every devil in hell is saved because they met with him one-on-one, many of them. And I guarantee you one thing, you'll never find any of them devils been on Believe the Sign, the website. 
You'll never find any of them devils been on YouTube. You'll never find them writing any books. God set me free from the message. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm so free. Them devils met this prophet of God. They were scared teetotally out of their minds. Well, somebody say amen. So they wouldn't do such a thing. Is that the truth? Yet they believed that he was truly a servant of God, just like they did the Lord Jesus. We know thee, thou Jesus, thou son of God. And he commanded them that they should not make known who he was. Isn't it amazing that demons can identify righteous men when church people will sit there and call them false? Wow. So God does this in his own sovereignty and he places them according to the divine abilities given to them by God. So as God places it in the natural body, so God places it in the mystical body and each person really ought to be content with what God gave them. Now we face the facts, some will never be what others are, some will never be the great singers that others are, yet they sing and they're a blessing and others will never be as talented on the piano or the organ and yet they should not even compare themselves. Well, I wish everybody would clap as loud for me as they do for brother so-and-so, but they just kind of do this when I sing. Well, at least you're getting that much out of them. Are you doing it for them or are you doing it for the Lord? Who are you doing it for? Well, come on. I, I, I believe that some folks are doing it for people. We don't want to do it for one another. We want to do it for God. Now, what you notice in question and answer is 1961. Someone said to me not long ago, the Lord called me to preach. I said, well, then preach. And so I really think it's so Satan, if he can just get somebody to act like that. Now, once you listen what the devil will try to do, the devil will try to deceive a man. Well, women too, of course, if you believe in women for preachers. But he will try to deceive a man to make him think he's called to preach when in reality, he ain't called at all. Now, you're talking about a tricky thing. Notice if he can get somebody to act like that and then deceive them. So can you imagine then a person can actually be deceived, a man, a man that's so deceived and he feels like he's called to preach and then he will go preach and he will study and he gets under this burden and he will, his wife will get under it, his family will get under it, the church that he attends will get under it, the pastor that he sets under will get under it because the pastor will have to make room for him to see if he's really called to preach or not. God don't tell me, I don't know. I don't know, but young men come to me, Brother Donnie, I think I'm called to preach. The only thing I don't do is just try to make room for him and see if they are or if they ain't. So if you're dealing with them for six months, nine months, a year, a year and a half, two years, and you give up and forfeit this service and that service and that service, and what you wind up looking at and realizing with some of them, they were not even called in the first place. They were deceived. Now, were they trying to deceive anybody else? No, they were not trying to be wicked. They were not trying to be condemning or nothing like that. They actually thought, there's young men sitting right here that I've talked to in our church and they come to me, many of them years ago, and felt like they were called to preach and I would just go through the best that I knew. Look, brother, God's called you, it'll be this and this. And explain it if I was you, I'd wait and I'd pray and they'd come back to me a month later, six weeks later, brother Donnie, you know what, I did exactly what you told me to do. I, I don't believe it's the Lord. I don't believe it is. I tell them, look, if it's God calling you, you ain't gonna get away from it. He'll haunt you, he'll torment you. You won't get away from it. So if you can get away from it, leave it alone. 
because you wasn't called in the first place. Well, come on somebody, say amen. If it's a real call of God, God ain't gonna tell me to tell your mama, to tell your daddy, to tell your third cousin, and then he'll tell your wife, and then they'll tell you. If God's called you, God will call you. Come on, somebody. God's gonna call you. Will God verify it by others? Yes, he will. And God will lay it on other people's hearts, absolutely. And God can tell them, look, brother, you've got a gift there. But if God's calling you, God's gonna deal with you first. Thank you, Jesus. Now notice the prophet said, see, Satan can do somebody act like that. They deceive them, that's what he wants to do. Then the whole world points their finger right there. Somebody thinks they have the gift of speaking in tongues and interpretation. Some has the gift of divine healing. Some has things like that. And sometimes they're mistaken, mistaken in those things. And sometimes they think they haven't got it when they have. So it's very tricky. So a person could be called to preach and the devil telling them they ain't. And a person not called to preach and the devil telling them they is. Lord have mercy, brother Don, how in the world does a person judge it? Paragraph 52. So always do this, brethren. When you feel that you're supposed to do a thing, first find out if it's scriptural for you to do it. Well, the Lord called me to do this, that, and other. Well, is there scripture for what you say God called you to do? Now, not just in one place, but all through the Bible. Well, don't sit there and look at me bug-eyed. I'm fixing to read it to you. If it's in the scriptures, not just wrote in one place, but I mean completely scriptural through the Bible for you to do it. Oh my goodness, you mean a person then that's really called of God, they will see themselves in Jeremiah's call. They will see themselves when they read about Peter being called. You see, they will so identify with themselves. You know, but I've had young men to come and talk to me before and their brother Donnie, I'm thinking maybe I might be called to preach. Well, brother, tell me how it happened. Well, I'll tell you what, brother Donnie, I, I, I was sitting there reading my Bible before church and, and wouldn't you know it, you got up there and you read the, from the same text and you started preaching from that same text and I say, brother, that happens to my wife. Amen. So does that mean she's called too? How many has that happened to you? Oh, dear Lord, some of our women are raising their hand. Oh, no, Jesus, oh, no. Well, that don't mean you're called to preach. That means we're in the same unction of the Holy Ghost. Don't that mean something special to you when that happens to you? Of course it does. It blesses your heart. That's not a call of God. I've had young men and come and talk to me. I'm not sure why I'm going this way now, but I'm going to do it. Uh, young men and come to me, Brother Don, I'm just thinking, the Lord's calling me, well, brother, you know, what have you been doing? I've done got 37 sermons prepared, Brother Donnie. That is not an individual seeking the mind of God. That is an individual that is convinced before they ever even come and talk to their pastor, which according to the message is contrary to what you're taught to do. If you ever feel led to do something, then he said, put it with the word and consult your pastor. Not after you've made up your mind. Well, I know folks don't believe that quote, but what if it's right and you don't follow it? Mm. My, my. 
Now watch. I love the way Brother Remnant explains. He says that then usually, he said yourself, an evangelist or a pastor or a teacher or a prophet, whatever God might have called you to DC, but if you have the gift of tongues, interpretation of tongues, any of the nine spiritual gifts in the church, four spiritual offices, any position, see, then usually the way I watch it for myself. Now watch how he looked at it. This is me. I watch the nature of the person and see what kind of a gift that they're professing. See, God will work with his creature the way he's made him. Now, if you see a man real flighty going on and he said, the Lord called me for such and such to be a pastor. Now, a pastor can't be a flighty person. And the church said, the pastor can't be a flighty person. A pastor's solid, sound. But I find it so amazing, some of the men that I know in the message that have become pastors, their pastor has to encourage them to even attend church faithfully because they get discouraged and get down and and get so all worn out. And then that kind of man becomes a pastor. Wow, I find that very strange myself. If you're down just being an evangelist, I hate to think what you're gonna be when you become a pastor. God called me to be a teacher. Now watch, this is so simple. God called me to be a teacher. Watch him, how he interprets the word. He gets it all mixed up and everything. Then you can tell. Sometimes I wonder, friends, how many preachers in this message are even God called. You know why? I judge it by these quotes. How many of them have made the office messes that every was? Come on, somebody, say amen. And they interpret the word this way and they cause a big, a big split and the message and you know, part of them go this way and part of them go that way. A God called teacher ain't gonna do no such nonsense. Mm-hmm. But then the thing to do, your position is usually known whether you can do it or not. Wow, that is good, good understanding it. Now when God called me to be an evangelist, I wanted to be a pastor. Wow. You mean God called Brother Brandon to be one thing and Brother Brandon wanted to be something else? I'm guilty too. God called me to be a preacher. I said, no, I don't want to be no preacher. But he didn't listen to me. And then whenever he called me to preach, he didn't even say, now look, I've got five foes here. Which one you want? And he didn't let me choose that. I said, God, this ain't even fair. I mean, you don't even give me a choice. And then you've got all these different aspects of the ministry I can entertain. You don't even let me choose that. Lord, this ain't even fair at all. You see, when you're really called of God, it's not something that you yourself want to do. A man who wants to do it nine times out of 10 ain't called in the first place. A real servant of God runs from the call. Well, praise the Lord. When God called me to be an evangelist, I wanted to be a pastor. And I thought staying at home here would be just fine. Wow. Now, let me skip a little bit and go down a little further in the quote here. My calling was an evangelist. Now, this morning, laying right here on the cornerstone, if we could burst in there tonight, you'll see a fly leaf off of my Bible where he told me to be an evangelist. And I wasn't a successful pastor. Now, you won't hear this quote quoted, I realize, but when God called me to preach the message, I can preach the whole thing. You see, headquarters never call me. No group of message people never call me. 
God call me. So I'm going to read quotes like this. I wasn't a successful pastor. Anybody in here brave enough to read it with me? Never. Ah. And yet, some of the folks in the message now say Brother Branham is their pastor. So how in the world can a man from the sixth dimension pastor those of us who are still in these dimensions? So how long has it been since you've seen your pastor anyway? How long has it been since you consulted with your pastor? How long has it been? Now the prophet tells you according to the message whenever you feel led to do something, put it with the word of God and consult your pastor. So that puts you in a real bind, does it not? Then whenever you get ready to make a decision, a business decision, family decision, whatever, uh, tell me how that works, that you're able to be transported into the sixth dimension to consult with your pastor and then come back down to the earth and get the answer. Now you see where that come from? Men that are interpreting God's word and making lies out of the truth. Well, amen. Now notice he said, never would be because I haven't got the patience. Oh, so it takes patience to be a pastor. Ooh, takes patience. Notice he don't say tongues, healing, miracles, patience. Now is healing important? Yes. Is miracles important? Yes. But I want you to notice the main thing that he focuses on that a pastor must have. Patience. And God not only calls him, but he calls his wife right along with him. Y'all know that already by being here a part of this ministry, right? Because I haven't got the patience and what it takes to be a pastor. So those who believe that Brother Branham fulfilled all five and all the rest of us preachers ought to sit down, you are a liar. And if you don't get that evil devil off of you, you're gonna be lost. Because that devil anointing you is speaking contrary to the scripture and contrary to the message. Now push play and obey. I don't know why it is, but when I push play, I come up with quotes like this. Well, hallelujah. Now he said, so therefore, if I tried to be a pastor, I'd be just as far out as a pastor trying to be an evangelist. You see what I mean? You can see the way the Lord calls you what your position is in the body and the church set. Now, let us run a parallel tonight by the help of the Lord. We'll jump back into the book of Exodus, if you'd like to turn up with me, we can read it up on the screen. In the book of Exodus uh, chapter 31, and I'd like to run a parallel, if the Lord will help me, on God giving instructions and design and architectural ability to certain men to be able to build the tabernacle of God. Now let me say this right up front, for those who are here tonight and those that will stream this service and those that may archive it later, for those of you who have this narrow, narrow view that the tabernacle in the wilderness was just this makeshift something that was maybe a 40 by 60 tent and it had a few tent poles on the side and it was just thrown up on the side, I hate to tell you, but I think I'll go ahead and tell you right up front, you are sadly mistaken. 
You see, many people feel like that in order for God to move in a church, you've got to be in a storefront and your windows have got to be busted out and you can throw a tomcat through the door, you know, and there's 40 blowing there in the wintertime and we're all sitting there freezing to death and they identify that as humility. You need to read your Bible. Come on, somebody. Now watch how that God is, has told Moses and he's given him the revelation of what kind of place God wants. And God told him prior to this, let them make me a sanctuary that I can come down and be among them. Now remember, these were slaves. So they had had some ability, no doubt, back in the land of Egypt. But watch what God is fixing to do. And the Lord spake unto Moses saying, Exodus 31, 1, See, I have called by name Bezalel. Now here, watch. God, this is God's first tabernacle on the earth. And it's going to foreshadow Solomon's temple. It's going to foreshadow also the mystical body which we are a part of tonight. So God is going to build, have them to build for him a tabernacle. And God's gonna use human beings to do it but he don't want them to stand in line for volunteers. Who wants to be the engraver? Who wants to be the weaver? Who wants to be this? But I want you to notice what God does. God starts this whole thing out by calling men. And he calls them by name. You see what I'm talking about, a genuine call? Now you see that it would be no strange thing when the Lord Jesus comes on the earth and whenever he's going to establish his mystical body, that he would get on the earth and he would call men, Peter, Andrew, James, John, Bartholomew, Thaddeus, Judas, right? What do you do? Call them by name. Don't you understand? It's a new building program. <laughs> Praise be to God. So watch what God did. God spoke this man's name. So this man was called by God. Amen. Amen. I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. So what is this man getting? A divine call. So this man is not seeking after it. This man did not necessarily want it, but God calls him. Now we don't know much about this man, whether he even had a whole lot of abilities or not but a divine gift always have attributes of the divine call. So what does this man get? He gets a divine call. Every God called man has a divine call. Some were sent and some just went. Well, some of them mama called them, some of them daddy called them, and some of them the wife called them. Well, so the Lord called him, also according to Exodus chapter 35, verse 30, the Lord called him. So the Lord does the deciding and the Lord does the calling. Now men might try to presume upon that and think, well, I, that's what I'd like to be. I'd like to be a preacher. Oh my goodness. I'd like to be an evangelist. I'd like to be this or that or the other. But that's not the way that it works. And it was not only a divine call, but a distinct call. It was not something that the man would ever be able to get away from. This man would never be the same again. God is going to impart to this man, he's gonna be able to devise curious things. Now watch this God called man. He's going to be given enlightenment 
on metallurgical abilities. Now, apparently the man didn't have it before. God is going to give this man, and one of the Hebrew words there that is used is the mind of a genius. God is going to give this man the ability to be able to carve and work on metal and do this and that and the other. Now, as I said, the Bible doesn't say that the man knew how to do it before. So we're told then who was called, and now we're being shown what he's called to do. Amen. To devise curious works. So it sums up all the work that's going to be involved in the tabernacle. So God not only decides who's going to do it, but what they're going to do. And then you've got the capability of the call. So God calls this man. Now it's up to God to give the man the ability of what he needs to carry it out. No doubt these people had done some of these things in the land of Egypt, but hold my thought there, and I'll read it to you in a moment. When God calls, God enables. When God sends, God anoints. When God gives you something, God will give you the backbone of a ramrod. That's what you need. You'll stand there if you've got to stand by yourself. And people will look at you and think, how in the world can you do it? And you'll even ask yourself the same question. But when God calls, God gives ability. When God calls, God enables. When God sends you, he goes with you. Amen. And if you like capability in the area that you're professing that you're called to do, it's either one of two things. Either you're not called to do it or you've been delinquent, delinquent and being able to hook up with the right channel of God or maybe refusing guidance from some elders that's been around for a long time. Now, I know we despise all that. We hate all that. We're so much against organization, we're against organism, I said it to you several months ago, but I'll say it again. You look in the Bible and you show me where preachers went out from the original church in Jerusalem on their own. I challenge anybody, preacher, deacon, trustee, anybody, Show me where any preacher lit out on his own. Show me. But they sent them forth. They sent them forth. They never went out on their own. Well, I feel led to go over here and I feel led to go over there. They were sent from the church. Well, come on, children, read your Bible in the book of Acts. They didn't do it on their own and rebel. If the church didn't send you forward, you were not recognized. They never recognized, read your Bible. They were not recognized as being sent of God. Do you understand even Paul the prophet, whenever he went out, he went up to Jerusalem and they sent him out, a prophet? That's your New Testament. Oh my goodness. Now you see when God then calls this individual, God will give them adequate capability. The ability to be able to do it. Notice this, Exodus chapter 35, verse 31. Whenever it quoted this about this man, it says he has filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom. So being filled means the capability of doing whatever it is he faces, God's called him to do that. And it's up to God to give the man the ability. Now there they're not making a mystical body, but they're going to build a tent or a tabernacle. Let's read again, Exodus 31, 3. Now God said, I have filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. So now this guy was not called to handle the word. He's not a Levite. He's not a Kohathite. 
He's not nothing that can be the priestly order, but this man is called in the ability of being able to take wood and shape it and take stone and shape it. Now remember, they're gonna have an ephod and they're gonna have all these precious stones, the birthstone, and this man's gotta know how. He has to understand metallurgical temperatures to where gold can come up to a certain spot, silver come up to a certain spot, brass come up to a certain spot. This man's gotta understand all that. Where'd he get it out? From God. So God filled this man. Now keep in your mind the parallel of the New Testament church. God knew the New Testament church needed a Peter. God knew they needed an Andrew. But God also knew they needed a Paul. So God did not confuse the gifts, but God gave to Paul exactly what Paul needed. He gave to Peter exactly what Peter needed. And as long as they stayed in their field designed by God, there was never an issue. Come on, somebody. If we can find our place in the body of Christ and work together as the people of God for one common goal, I'll tell you one thing, the devil would become powerless before us. That's why he wants to divide us. That's why he wants to separate us. He's done it in every move that's ever been on the earth and you'd have to be blind if you think he hasn't done it in our message. But as much as he's tried to do it, he will never divide the bride from the word. And the prophet said it'll be a paradox if he ever runs her together, if he ever gets it together, but he promised it and he will. He knows how to send a little trouble our way. He knows how to send a little persecution, not the persecution of the tribulation period, but just enough trouble to get us all together. Oh my. Now notice what this man is anointed. He's gonna be anointed to do. To devise, to devise cunning works. To work in gold and silver and in brass. Now, wait a minute. You mean to tell me God wants gold and silver and brass and blue and purple and ivory? All these high dollar items? God wants them in his house? Do you understand that tabernacle and the value today was over $30 million? And God was the one that gave them the pattern. We got a nice place here, but it's about like a shack on the side of the road compared to what that place was worth. But yeah, people get it in their mind. Humility, humility, humility. They don't even understand the first letter of it. God himself, anointing this man. Well, why didn't God just say, take any old plain board? Go out there and pick up a crooked stick and tie it to another crooked stick and just make a, I don't care, I don't care. Just throw up whatever you want. No doubt there's some of them people that would done it. And the reason I say that because there's some today that do God the same way. You go to Lowe's and buy you the very best faucet you can find. And you go online and find it. If ain't nothing good enough, you'll go to New York, get it if you gotta do it. You'll put you in the fanciest bathtub and you'll put you in the best this and that and the other. And when it comes to the house of God, you wanna throw God a shaney up on the side of the road and say, we wanna be humble. You low down hypocrite. You mean you'd think more of yourself than you would of God? I figure God deserves a whole lot better than I deserve. And I'm gonna go ahead and say it, God deserves a whole lot better than you deserve. Whew. 
Wow. To devise. Devise. So this guy, this is where part of the genius part comes from. And the Spirit of God anointed this man so he would look and say, a piece of wall and say, I can see it now, can't you? Wow. Other people are going to say, shame on you. Humble yourself. That's too shiny. Why do you need that fancy altar fire? Capriol. There's done been a bunch of tears shed on this altar. I'm hoping there's a bunch more. Well, Hallelujah. Well, glory to God, we shouldn't have these fine padded chairs in here. Yeah, we should. When Brother Tim comes, we need them. You'll pay better attention if you don't go to sleep, that is. Oh, we never want you to have a comfortable place. But it ain't just for your comfort. That's a representation of what I think about my God. Oh, I could have built him a little shack on the side of the road and took the money that I spent for this place and put it in my bank account and why would I want to do such a foolish thing? I could have done it. Sure, I could have done it. That's what a lot of other preachers have done. You'd be surprised at the millionaire message preachers that they are. And I say it's a crying shame. Oh, but I think we ought to give to God not only a nice place, but everything we are. Our hearts, our souls, our minds, our strength. I mean, this brother right here, I can't wait to meet this guy. This man, Harry, was so gifted to devise cunning works that never been anything like it. So God just anointed him. And he'd just get these thoughts. Moses is saying, thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that. That old brother saying, glory to God. That diamond would look awesome. And that gold coming up around it. And them chapters, not chapter, but chapter, them chapters on the tops of them columns, I'm gonna put a lily on one side and a pomegranate on the other side and I'm gonna name one of them Jason and I'm gonna name the other one Boaz and I'm gonna, then that old guy just sitting around eating supper and his wife say, where are you? Hello, hello, where are you? You know, his brothers sometimes like to do us if y'all got converters on your mind and painting on your mind, whatever your vocation is. Where are you? You imagine that old boy? He slept about it. He dreamed about it. Why? He was anointed. Lord God, children of God could anoint a man to be able to do that for the house of God. Don't you think you and I can get so in love with the Lord Jesus that whatever we're called to do, maybe you're called to visit the sick. Oh, I'm so proud to hear some of our young folks have been visiting those that shut ins and can't go. I hope some of you get under such an anointing and get so burdened that you want to go back again and again and again and bring them a smile. Let them know we love them. Let them know that we care for them. Brother Jonathan, play your guitar and sing and say something that's encouraging. Oh, if we can get so a part of the family of God and one in the house of God, this is your time. Notice this. To devise cunning works, to work in gold and silver and brass and cutting of stones. Then it didn't do no good to cut them. 
if he didn't know how to set them. But he just sat around and just looking at, you know, I, whatever it was, he said, I got it. Glory to God. His wife said, what is it now? I know it's something to do about church. That seems like to me that's all you think about. Sound like a good man to me. And in cutting stones and the setup and in carving timber to work in all manner of workmanship. And I, behold, I have given with him a Hulalad, the son of Ahishmak of the tribe of Dan. Listen to this. And in the hearts of all that are wise-hearted, that, I, that they may make all that I have commanded thee. So God had a Peter, God had a Paul, God had a James, God had a Bartholomew. Look at our message in this day. Look at all the different preachers that God's got. And look at some of them. They devise such curious works. We call them sermons. You know what I'm saying? They, then they think, wow, where did they get that at? And either, even other preachers will say, wow, I wish I'd have thought of that. I wish I'd have thought of that. I wish, oh man, what a sermon. What a, oh my goodness, where'd God get it? Because God gives everyone the way he wants to. And then this man preaches on this, and this man preaches on that, and they say, oh, glory to God. What a great understanding. Oh, my, thank you, Lord. Why? Because God is the one who gives it. But what's it all for? You. Do you think it's so this preacher can out-preach that one and this one can out-do that one? No. If the real surrendered men of God is all for you, every sermon coming from God is for you. It's a love gift. Oh my. So from the nature of what we see of the offerings, I put this down so you'll be able to read it with me. This is what they brought out of the land of Egypt. Gold, silver, brass, blue, purple, scarlet, fine linen, ram skins dyed red, what we call badger skins, oil, spices, incense, onyx stones, and other stones. Remember, they spoiled the Egyptians. Let's say it this way. It was back paid with interest. Praise the Lord. So what did they do? They gave to God their wages. Oh, wow. So Moses lifts an offer and they said, all right, I want everybody. Everybody that's got gold, everybody that's got silver, we're gonna need all this for the house of God. They started bringing so much stuff in that Moses had to get up and make an announcement and said, no more offerings. We got way more than what we need. Wow. You talking about a giving people that wanted to take up their stuff. Now remember, they were paupers. They were paupers. They, this was the richest they had ever been in their lives. And yet, what does God do? God says, I want it. And what did they do? They said, well, if God wants it, we'll give it to him. So here they bring all these offerings. Now, this is only then that aspect of it. But think of it from this side, too. They must have also brought looms, spinning wheels, instruments for cutting precious stones, anvils, 
hammers, furnaces, melting pots, with a vast variety of tools for the different artists employed in the work of the tabernacle. Smiths, joiners, carvers, and gilders. Wow. God wanted them to be a part of what he was doing. Amen. God don't want it just to be, oh, Brother Donnie does this, and Brother Donnie does that, and Brother Darrell, and these ministers, they do, oh, and the deacons. God don't want it to be just that way. God wants this to be your church. God wants this to be your work as well as mine, and we work together for one thing. Look, friend, it's not us trying to divide this group and that group and say, well, who's got the biggest following in the message? My goodness, we should be well beyond that. But it's not our move, no way. This ain't my message, so to speak. Oh, yeah, I know you call it Brother Donnie's church. I'm only here as a shepherd. I believe this church belongs to the Lord Jesus. Let me read you this and I'll close you momentarily. Exodus 35, 30, and Moses said unto the children of Israel, now watch, he's gonna repeat what God told him. See, the Lord has called by name. Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Dan, and hath filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship, and to devise curious works in gold and in silver and in brass, cutting of stones to set them, carving of wood, make any manner of cunning work. You see, divine abilities are given to men to accomplish a divine purpose. Our abilities are not given to us for our own use. This is why it's such a danger for preachers to get into business. Because if they're not careful, they'll tap into that gift and they'll get into making money with that gift. Come on now. They'll use that God-given gift. You've seen it as well as I have and sometimes preachers get on the top of the biggest pyramids in the message. Except it ain't a real pyramid of love and charity and faith and all of that. It's a pyramid of money. Come on, Brother Donnie. Now, I want you to notice what else that God is going to give to this man. The ability to teach. You see, every gifted individual is not a teacher. You ever get around people before and they could do this and this and this and this and you say, show me how you do that. And when they get done explaining it to you, you are more confused than you was before they started. Now, they're very good at what they do, but they don't have the ability to teach others how to do it because they stand there from where they're at and they're doing what's automatic in their brain, been there for 15 or 20 years, and you're standing there as, you know, illiterate as you can be concerning the subject. But this man, not only him but the other brother, they were not only given these great ability to devise all these beautiful, cunning works, but God said, I'm gonna make you brothers teachers. You're gonna teach others. Watch in verse 34. He has put in his heart that he may teach. Both he and Aholiab. So what are these brothers going to do? They're going to be over the entire work. Say like a messenger to an age. And then there'll be others that'll go out from under them and if they are faithfully taught and will stay with what the teachers taught them, 
then they'll be able to build the house of God. And you see, they're given all this wisdom. No doubt there were some younger guys. There. <laughs> you think I'm gonna follow him? I don't bless God. I feel led to do this and that and the other. I ain't no man gonna tell me what to do. Well, you broke God's program right there. I no doubt they had it, same as we do in every age. But yet, the, these men were not only great artisans and great craftsmen, but they're going to teach by divine inspiration. They don't want to keep this to themselves now. Now, I'm the only one that can do this. Don't look, look, look. Brother Fred, turn it, turn it. Don't you look this way, Brother Ray. I'm the only one that can do this. God ain't giving this to nobody but me. Don't you look over here now. But God enlightened them with this great ability and they said, take and share this with those others that are called to do so. Then it will be the body building the house of God. He has put in his heart that he may teach both he and Aholiab, the son of Eshemach of the tribe of Dan. You see, it was essential that these two master craftsmen should also be able to teach their subordinates. Oh, wow. But it, the teaching is only as good as the subordinate will listen. I tell you, friend, you'd be surprised if you knew how hard that it really is for a lot of young preachers in this message to take any advice from an older minister. I, I, I never cease to marvel. Me, myself, coming out of Pentecost, never having a mentor in Pentecost, never having really anybody you could go talk to, coming to the message, you know, kind of being the same way. And I look back and I say, oh, Lord, how much easier been on me? How much easier been on you all? If I'd have been able to talk to some men and been able to have the right type of influence. I'm talking about denomination. I'm talking about God called me in. God ain't setting up no organization. God never called them apostles to set up no organization, but it was the apostolic way. And what did they do? Those God called men had to teach water baptism. They had to teach the Godhead. They taught the truth. Is that right? And that's the way it's supposed to be. This is the way the house of God is built. God called these two men as master builders. Remember Paul used the word, and Paul was a master builder. Well, come on, saints. God had another master builder in this day, and it ain't me, and it ain't no other preacher, and we ain't promised another master builder neither. We've got the master builder that we need in this age. It was a prophet of Malachi 4. Come on, somebody. I know some of the folks in the message ain't gonna preach the message no more. They're getting tired of quoting the prophet. Well, that's fine. If they wanna do that, that's up to them. I'm gonna keep on quoting it. I'm gonna keep on preaching it. I'm gonna keep on pointing you in that direction because I believe God sent us a master builder. Look at it. Would not a God called pastor that's straight on the word and taught the word for years and been faithful in his post of duty, would not he be a man that God would be able to use to influence other brothers that think they're called to be pastors? How can an evangelist tell a pastor how to do this now? God's prophet said an evangelist should never tell a pastor what to even do. Uh-huh, that's what he said. But we're so scared to death to take any instruction. What a shame. Can you imagine the wisdom, the battles, the scars that Brother Tim Pruitt has had through the years? Pastor in the church for, I guess, going on 50 years, something like that, preaching for almost that long. 
Can you imagine all that he's been through? Is he perfect? Of course not. But how much has he been through that he could hand down to others, but we're scared to death of it? (laughs) Oh, my. Notice verse 23, and I'll close. Now, one thing about this other brother was, he preached different. Aholahab. His specialty was (laughs) weaving and embroidery. We've had a few preachers like that embroidered us, didn't they? (laughs) So this other brother was more in the aspect of the metallurgical side. Isn't it amazing now God could have given this one man all of this whole thing, but he decided to separate it. Now he's going to make both of these brothers teachers. Now with him was Aholahab, the son of Shemekh, and the tribe of Dan, an engraver, and a cunning workman, and an embroiderer in blue, and in purple, and in scarlet, and in fine linen. Well, why not just take an old piece of canvas and throw it apart? Just get an old grass sack. Just get an old grass sack. Pick up something off the side of the street. Right? Just throw it up on the side. We've got an old crooked stick on this side. And they got them cherubims leaning over, and they're standing about like this. One of them's this way, and then that way. But we're humble. We're humble. Anything with any shine to it. Oh, that's of the devil. And the pavement in the city you're going to walk on is pure gold. And the gates you're going to walk through are created pearls. Come on, saints. Oh, my goodness. You got them pictures ready for me? Them hath he filled with wisdom of heart to work all manner of work of the engraver and the cunning workman and the embroiderer in blue and in purple and scarlet and fine linen and of the weaver, even of them that do any work and those that devise cunning work. Now, the ordinary weaver would have wove all the fabric in one collar. The gifted weaver would take blue, Scarlet, white. And to do that, you had to calculate. So you're going to put the image of a cherubim. You're going to put an image inside this embroidery work. You've got to sit there and figure out how to do it. So are there three gods or are there one? And they come up to one every time. And then they got to looking, well, is is there an eighth-day messenger? Said, no, there's only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven ages. So they could only be seven messengers. So they had to count all that in order to make the picture look just exactly right. You got to know how to count. Aren't y'all glad you finally learned how to count? (laughs) How in the world can one plus one plus one equals one? Well, only in divine understanding. Can the manifestation of a father, the manifestation of a son, and the manifestation of the Holy Ghost only wind up of being one God? And somebody said... The skillful weaver then produced a pattern. Now, and this is three classes of men. And I'm going to close. Three classes of workers, which were men, they were the, now watch, and what they did. But then there was another category, Exodus 35, 25, and they were women. Ah, you mean the women even get to do something? And all the women that were wise-hearted did spin on the rumor mill. No, I mean, whoa, 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 whoa. 
did spin with their hands and brought which they had spun, both of blue and of purple and of scarlet and of fine linen. And all the women whose heart stirred them up in wisdom spun goat's hair. So the women did the spinning and the dyeing. Now remember, according to the Bible, they were to make a brazen laver and his foot, so God told Moses. Now it's set on the outside, and that is whenever they come in, they would take their foot and kick on the little lever down at the bottom. Then they would bend over and wash their hands and their feet before they go into worship. Now what was this signifying their walk with God? They was only anointed one time by the prophet of God. They were priests from that time on. So they didn't have to get re-anointed again or saved again, but they didn't need their hands and feet washed. This is another reason why we need to come to church. So we don't come to church to be told how good we are, how sweet we are, how nice we are, and everything like that. We come to church to get washed by the water of the word because we're out there in this dark, filthy, sinful world and we get up spirits on us if we're not careful. And we'll get, you know, this idea and that idea. So what do we need to do? Man of God, to kick that thing on and get your hands down there and wash them all and wash your feet. Then what? You're getting ready to worship. Praise God. That's why some of you come in here and you're like a bump on a pickle and you ain't washed from the water of all the filth of the world out there. But God, when you know what that labor was made out of, the women's looking glasses. Now they didn't have mirrors like we do today, sisters. Their mirrors were made out of burnished or polished brass. Didn't have glass like we did. So they'd polish, 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 polish that piece of metal until they could hold it up and see their cell. And them women gave their mirrors to this man here. And this man poured it in a furnace and smelted it and melted it and it became the very vessel that was used to wash their own priest. So they supplied to the ministry the very thing that the ministry needed in order to bring your sacrifice to the house of God. Oh, glory to God. Now, if that man had not have done that, God would have killed him. Is that right? God said, let them wash their hands and their feet thereat, lest they die. And who provided the brass? You did. So you gave your brass. You gave your mirror. You gave your ability to no longer see yourself, but see yourself identified in the tabernacle. <laughs> oh, glory to God. I'm not saying, sister, don't quit combing your hair and don't quit taking a shower and all that sort of thing. It's in the nature of a woman. She wants to look pretty. That's all right. But don't put that vanity in front of the house of God. Don't put that, make it a vain thing to where you just almost worship yourself. But you imagine they sacrificed the ability to see themselves. And every time the priest would go into the house of God with their sacrifice, the priest would wash in something they contributed Listen, show them a couple of pictures there, brothers. Artists' renditions, of course, 
of what the tabernacle would have looked like. Ah, does anybody know what that gold color is on the walls? It's not Crayola. It is not Sherwin-Williams paint. It is shatim wood overlaid in pure gold. The menorah, seven-branched candlestick, solid gold. The altar of incense where the priest is standing, shatim wood overlaid in gold. The Ark of the Covenant, Wood, humanity, overlaid in gold, signifying our Lord Jesus. At the current cost of gold, silver, and these things today, over $30 million. You ever seen a storefront look like that? So you see, the people who think, All big churches are of the devil. Really? So what is heaven? Like a 12 by 12? 14 by 14? So you and your two children and your favorite cousin and uncle and y'all going to live in that 1,500 mile city? I hate to interrupt your party, but you're going to hear somebody one day down there there screaming to the top of their voice. It's going to be me and Brother Dave and Brother Jonathan and Brother Fred and Brother Daniel and Sister so-and-so, and we're all down there, and we, we, we hear another voice louder than us. You know who it is? Brother Branham. He's down there screaming with us. Amen. You ain't getting rid of me, friends. You're stuck with me for eternity, Amen. like it or not. Yeah. No doubt this couldn't even be a drop in the bucket, as we'd say, of the beauty. Can you imagine when the Shekinah, the Shekinah as we call it, would come in and sparkle over that altar and flash on them golden walls? Wow. Our carpet looks pretty puny after all, don't it? Stinking old walnut. Sound panels. Wow. Look at this. Look at this. Look at what God's doing around the world. Not just in this. What is he making around the world? And he has fine artisans who study and stay along with God. And they come out of there from the presence of the Lord. I know you believe it. The same Spirit of God who gave these brothers that is the same one that anoints me. It's the same one that anoints Brother Darrell and these other preachers. The same one that anointed Brother David Siler when he's still here during the meeting and Brother Tim Pruitt and Brother Ron. You believe that? It's the same Spirit of God except now it's not in gold and silver and purple and all that sort of thing. But it's to build up the house of God. To take you out of this world. Where does gold come from? The dirt. Where does silver come from? The dirt. Where does all these precious things come from? The dirt. And they have to go through a process in order to make it look like this. It doesn't look like this initially. Neither do we. But through the process, God turns us into the tabernacle of God. Praise the Lord. Let's bow our heads together. Praise the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Holy Father. 
Lord God, what an awesome God you are. What a beautiful story you have laid before us this night. The parallels and the types. So beautiful, Father. Thank you. So the same Spirit of God that moved upon these men and gave them this great ability. It's the same Spirit of God that moved right there in our prophet's house. From the very first service on the series of the seals, God hiding himself in simplicity, then the breach, first through the seventh, the sixth seal, question answers on the seals, and the seventh seal, Sunday night. The same Spirit of God began to open and pull back the seals of things that have been kept secret since the foundation of the world. So you sent a master builder to this age. Many men have come and gone. Many men will stand before you at that day and answer for dividing and splitting and separating the message people. Having all kinds of doctrines that's divided the people around the world. Now, Lord, we're as divided as the denominations are. Message people won't even speak to one another. They won't even visit one another, have nothing to do with one another. Help us, God. We can't really say nothing about the denominations and we're as divided as they are. But that don't change the program. And it don't change the building. You're going to have a bride that's going to love in spite of everything. It doesn't mean we go along with people. But many people judge loving people by going along with them. But they've got love backwards. You love those that hated you. You love those that crossed you and went against you. You loved them anyway. So, Father, help us to know that human love is the conditional love. Well, I'll love you if you like me. I'll love you if you'll be good to me. And it don't take us long in talking to people in this day. And we can tell whether or not they like people or dislike them. And if they'll talk long enough, they'll understand why. And for most of them, it's because that person crossed them somehow or didn't treat them right. And they will base their love on the treatment of that person, which is not divine love at all. So you were hanging on the cross and you prayed for those sinners who had crucified you. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They never even ask you for forgiveness. But that's real love. That's real godly love, that we can forgive those that don't even ask us to. Oh, Lord, help us, Father, I pray. Help me, Jesus, as the pastor. Lord, help these other ministers here, Father, that we will study and stay in the presence of God and get what's needed for this building. Help these brothers as they go out and preach in other churches, Lord, that they will be quickened by your spirit. And you will lead them, Lord, for what needs to be brought for the services where they go. Oh, Father, not for our glory, not for our benefit, but for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. May we not preach ourselves, but may we preach Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't you love him, children, with all your heart?
Now look, God did the opposite to you to what was done to those boards that you saw in the tabernacle. God, there God had the gold which represented deity put on the outside and the humanity, the wood, was on the inside. But God in building this tabernacle since Messiah has come, God started with the gold on the inside and the humanity on the outside. And I don't care how hard you try, you will never perfect your humanity. It's gonna bother you, but thank God it does. You're gonna be aggravated with it. You're not even gonna like it at times. There's times I don't even like myself none. And there's other times I just think I'm such a great person. Don't stand there and look at me like a hypocrite. You do yourself the same way. Who did you feed before you come to church, yourself or your wife? Who did you close? It's in us to protect ourselves. And God put the gold on the inside and lets the outside, the humanity, still be this whole shatim wood. Oh, my. How many wants to be more like the Lord Jesus? How many wants to love like he loved and want to need one another more? Come on now. You want to need, recognize, I, I need my brothers and sisters at our church. I need them. I need them. Now, that don't mean you'll always be the very best of pals. There's some folks, I don't care how hard you try, you'll never be compatible in the flesh. But you can still love one another so much from your soul. You just love that brother and sister, though you may not spend a lot of personal time with them. You know, there's preachers that I love them, but they're just not my buddies. They're not my chums. They're just not pals. You know what I'm saying? Because the atmosphere they create is different than the one that I create. That's why we all got to be changed. If not, heaven will be just like our church in about two weeks' time. Some of y'all will be in one click over there, and some of you young people will be on another street on the other side, and then there'll be certain young people that won't be on that click, so they'll be on the other side. No, we've all got to be changed from clicks. Would you lay your hand on one another tonight? Let's pray for one another that God will give us more love and more unity than we've ever had in our lives. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, we have our hands one upon the other. We could ask you tonight for gifts. We could ask you tonight for healing, and we've done that before, and we may do that before we stop. But Lord, I'm asking for something tonight that I believe is so needed among us, a love for each other, a recognition that we need each other. And Satan does his best to try to convince us we don't need each other and calls us to pull away and pull away from the church and pull away from each other. Oh, I don't need nobody. There ain't nobody likes me up there. And then we go to pulling ourselves away. That ain't nothing but the devil. Lord, I pray you would help us tonight, Father. May we love one another more than we've ever loved in our lives. Lord, not only the people of our church, but Lord God, loving humanity. If they ever needed love, they sure need it now. That don't mean that we go along with their sin, Father. We love the sinner, but we hate their sin. Father, I pray that you would help each of us in our assembly Lord God, that we can recognize we need one another. As we looked up here at this 
artist's rendition of the, the tabernacle. There was one board by another, by another, by another. The interior of this tabernacle was not made out of one piece of wood. There was not a tree big enough to do such. But it was one plank by another plank, by another plank, by another plank. But put them together and they make the house of God. Oh, Jesus, put me by this brother, put this one by that brother, by this sister, by that brother, by this sister. Then, Lord God, put us together and we'll make the house of God for God to have a place that he can dwell for perfect worship. Perfect worship is God in flesh. How can I ever know how to worship you unless you in me teaches me how you want to be worshiped and loved. We'll do it our way every time. According to our background, according to what Obama says, what her daddy said, well, honey, you do it this way, you do it that way, or you don't get too loud, or if you ain't screaming, you ain't doing it. But only you can really teach us how to worship. So you living in us, this is why some people don't worship no more than they do because they've never been taught personally by you that worship is not hinged upon the song leader. Worship is not hinged upon the preacher saying, all right, now let's everybody worship. But if God is in our hearts and we're yielded to God, we worship whether the song leader worships or not. We worship whether the preacher worships or not. Because the God who wants to be worshiped lives in the worshiper's soul. Oh, glory to God. God's own desire to be worshiped pulls praise out of my mouth. God's own desire to be worshiped and adored and magnified pulls it out of my mouth and I may be so low I cannot even raise my voice, but the Lord God from within my soul will take my human lips and speak praise and love and adoration. Hallelujah! For that's what we were made for, Lord. Lord God, make us to be a house of God. Oh, this is your house, Lord. All the building, all the planning, all that we've done, Lord, that we might could have this place. Lord Jesus, so we could come and worship, have meetings and so on. Thank you for it, Lord. We've already seen you do so many things. There's been so many miracles, so many healings, so many baptisms that we've already seen take place. I believe we've yet to see the greatest. Hallelujah. We thank you for it, Lord. Now we can have special meetings and men will have them in years. We thank you for it, Lord. But oh God, this ain't the only house of God we're talking about. But we want this mystical body to be your house. I want my body to be your house. I want Harry, I want all of my brothers and sisters here. We want to be your house. Oh, Father, come and dwell, would you? Take us, Lord. Take my mouth, the abilities you've given me, whatever you've placed in my hands. Help me to teach others. Help me, Lord God, to instruct others. Help me, Father, I pray. Oh, Jesus, we worship you now, Lord. Hey, can you lead us in that song? Can we just worship him a little bit now before we go? I know you got to work tomorrow and you got school and all that sort of thing. But before we go, oh my, 
let's just take a little time now in the presence of God. Well, we've got paint on the walls and sound panels and carpet on the floor. It don't look nothing like that up there, does it? Oh, my. But I believe he wants to come right in here among us tonight. Amen. Anybody here besides me that wants to raise your hands in the presence of God and just tell him how much you love him, what he means to you. This is your house. Father, come and dwell. This is your house. What is it, church? Amen. A holy house of Thank you, Lord God. Let's just worship Him now. Sing it with all your heart. Dedicate this temple to you, Lord. Sing it with all your heart now. Let your glory fill this sanctuary. Oh, yes, Lord God. Be enthroned in oh, the praises of your people. Oh, hallelujah. Everybody now with all your heart. Lord, Lord we, agree. we agree. Amen. In God. Lord, have 
this temple to you, Lord. I want you to just think about yourself now. We dedicate this temple to you, Lord. Oh, let your glory fill this tonight, Father. Let's just lift up our hands in His presence right now. Think about it, hands that used to hold beer bottles and cigarettes and all types of filth, all types of ungodly things. But now the Bible says, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. So we can lift up these hands, praise God, to be able to worship the living God the great creator of heavens and earth has so blessed us tonight that he come here to have church with us. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. 
We magnify your name, Lord God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We worship you now, Lord. We adore your mighty name, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Sing something for us, Harry. Let's just worship him together now. Just close your eyes and raise your hands and move beyond yourself for just a moment. We'll let you go. But just before we do, oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just give him some love. Praise the Lord. Do you know that there's not an angel in heaven, a cherubim, a seraphim, a zoon, that can love the Lord Jesus like you can right now? This is your special moment of one-on-one with the Lord Jesus to where you can pull him, as it were, close to you and just let him know how much you love him, what you think about him. Angels can't do that. They've not been redeemed. If you can understand it, they don't love the way a child of God loves. I preached it for years and believed it. And I told Carol the other day, I was always afraid that somebody was going to question me on this thing that I preached because I'd never found a quote for it. I could see it, but I needed a quote. I'd always preached that Satan didn't love his own people and he didn't love the world and the people of the world that serve him. But I found a quote the other day where Brother Branham said, Satan cannot love. And I thought, wow, one of the many, many things that makes him so different than our Lord Jesus. So when you was living for the devil, he didn't care one thing about you. He didn't love you. He didn't love you not one bit. He can't love. But look what the Bible says about God. For God is love. Praise God. So what ought we to be? We ought to be loved too. We are his children. Sing something for us, Harry. Let's just love him just a little bit now. Not you and your wife, not you and the brother, sister standing by you, but just you and Jesus. Just a few moments before we go. Oh, I worship you, Lord God. I bless you, Lord. I worship you right now, Lord Jesus. I thank you for creating me. I thank you for giving me life. I thank you for calling me, Lord, to be your servant. I thank you, great Adonai, for making me one of yours. I bless your holy name. We worship you right now, Lord. An angel cannot take my place. No one here can take my place, Lord. Oh, Jesus, I give you my praise. My praise is unlike anyone else's. My praise from my heart, from my soul. I bless you, Lord Jesus. I worship you, Lord God, with all of my heart tonight, Father. All my praise belongs. It belongs to you. Oh, give it to him, children. Let him have it. Yes, you Lord, you do, Lord, you do, Lord. You, you deserve, deserve it. it. 
Hallelujah. Oh Lord God, we bless your name, Lord Jesus. Belongs to you. Oh, my love belongs to you. You deserve me. You deserve me. All of my praise belongs to you. All my praise.
Sing, I sing praises to your name. I sing praises to your name. Oh Lord, praises to your name. Oh Lord, for your name is great and greatly to be praised. 